this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership, and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Here we are with our guest, Catlin Tucker. Thank you for being here, Catlin. Yeah, pleasure. This month, we are focused on growth and really what it takes to recognize where you are and where you need to be. We also know that this requires a lot of personal initiative, but also support from others. This month, we wanted to take a deep dive into change and growth and thought of no one better than Catlin to help us delve into someone truly transforming the classroom through blended learning. TJ, please tell our audience a little bit more about Catlin. Yeah, thanks for that, Joe. Our guest this month is Catlin Tucker. Dr. Catlin Tucker is a best-selling author, international trainer, and keynote speaker. She was named Teacher of the Year in 2010 in Sonoma County, where she taught for 16 years. Catlin earned her doctorate in learning technologies at Pepperdine University in a blended learning model, have you? Uh, currently, Catlin is working as a blended learning coach and education consultant. She has written a series of best-selling books on blended learning, which include Balance with Blended Learning, Blended Learning in Action, Power Up Blended Learning, and Blended Learning in Grades 4 through 12. She's active on Twitter at Catlin Tucker and writes an internationally ranked blog at CatlinTucker.com. We'll link to all of those in the show notes. So, okay, Catlin, we really want to dive into change and growth um, and we want to improve our skill set. But before we do, can you tell us how you even became interested in blended learning and really how you emerged as a pioneer in that educational community? It's, it's of interest right now as we're all doing this thing virtually and hybrid and all of the Frankenstein models that we've done with <laughs> education at this point. Yeah, my journey in blended learning honestly began at a moment of total career crisis for me. I was maybe five years into teaching and just was totally exhausted and disillusioned with this profession <laughs> just in general. I thought, oh my gosh, I have made an enormous mistake coming into education. This is not what I thought I was signing up for. And ultimately, I just felt like I was failing. I was you know, failing to create this classroom I had dreamed about in credential school. I was failing to engage kids and get them really excited about learning, which is why most of us come into this profession. And so for me, it was in this moment of career crisis, I, have, I often joke, I decided to take a year off to be a stay-at-home mom and very quickly realized like there's a job way harder than dealing with a room full of disgruntled teenagers and being a stay-at-home mom was harder. <laughs> and while I was there, I was teaching online college level writing courses just to supplement my income because my husband's a history teacher, a high school history teacher. So we're living on one teacher salary. And 
it was actually in that work as an online professor where my interest in the power of technology was kind of peaked. And that's where my journey began. Because when I returned to the classroom, I started integrating aspects of that online learning that I saw a lot of potential in. For example, online discussions. My students weren't very good at it, but I saw the potential. And so it was really from this place of feeling like, I want to be in this profession. I want to do it better. My focus is on engaging kids. How can I weave together what works in this traditional format with what's really exciting about online learning? So that's, I mean, that's fantastic story. And it really, you know, the challenge there is getting better at it. So that's kind of our focus today is Mm -hmm. really growth um, and seeking those growth opportunities. Um, And in many ways, you know, oddly enough, blended learning is more relevant now than ever before, uh, obviously. Um, So we have a two-part question here to get us started. Um, How can administrators best support teachers to learn these skills? So how can we get teachers to a point beyond where they are today into being um, using these skills tomorrow? And how can teachers embrace that mindset of putting students at the center of their own learning so that they're the learner um, so that we have these skills? Yeah, I wish that I could say I had support in learning this myself, but to be quite frank, my own journey learning and growing in this space was just my fumbling along, making a boatload of mistakes and learning from those mistakes. So it would have been a lot nicer for me if I had administrators who really valued blended learning. They saw the potential of weaving together that traditional experience with online learning. And for me, the whole reason I wrote Power Up Blended Learning is because I wanted to shine a light on the importance of building a professional learning infrastructure into the fabric of our schools. Because right now, professional learning is treated as these events instead of this ongoing process. And so teachers attend a handful of all staff trainings that are unlikely to meet most people's needs. Most of the trainings are the sit and get style that we don't want our students to have to endure anymore. That's why we're embracing blended learning. So one, I would love for administration to think outside the box and reimagine what learning looks like and figure out how to weave it into the fabric of the teacher's school day so that it's ongoing. If they are going to bring people in to train their teachers, I think the message to those trainers, those people leading workshops is engage them using the blended learning models that you want them to use with students, right? And administrators sit in that room and engage right alongside your teachers because it's not super helpful to pay somebody to come in and lead a training for your teachers if you're not there and you don't have a real clear vision of what your teachers are even being asked to do. So I think in one part, it's really getting those, those leaders to lean into the learning themselves and recognize that learning on a school campus and a school community, that involves leaders, teachers, students, parents, it's at every single level. And and I think that's what's going to make this more effective. And then in terms of teachers, I think as soon as we stop learning, there's a problem, right? Our whole purpose is to cultivate these lifelong learners in our students. And we have to model that. And that means taking risks. It means making mistakes. It means being honest when something doesn't go the way we pictured it would. And just remembering that 
through that process of modeling learning, we make it a lot less scary for kids to take risks in our classrooms. Thank you, Catlin. One thing that TJ and I are, are pretty big on is, you know, walkthroughs, you know, having teachers uh, receive multiple visits and not in an evaluative way. I mean, we are big believers in feedback. What advice would you give school leaders as they are, you know, supervising staff teachers in a remote setting? And now that they're going to drop in, you know, if you will, to Zoom sessions, team sessions, and what advice would you give those administrators so they can support their teachers as they're now thrust into, uh, you know, blended learning, virtual teaching, really, for that matter? Yeah, I think there needs to be a conversation about and some clarity, honestly, about what administrators are actually looking for when they enter a blended learning classroom, when they enter a virtual classroom. What are those criteria that we're all kind of keeping in mind as we design, design these learning opportunities? And I am a big advocate for, you know, when we're on campuses, how do we get teachers going on like Wednesday walks and going into each other's room and giving each other just like bite-sized bits of feedback so that teachers are getting feedback from multiple people. And then, you know, if we're working on a blended learning initiative or we're working on remote learning, then can we as a staff put together a, a simple rubric with some criteria that we're all working on or, you know, a vision of what we're working towards so that when administrators do pop in and out, maybe the teacher says, hey, I'd love feedback on this criteria, right? On this rubric. And it's not a evaluative. It's just like, this is kind of what I'm seeing. And here's a suggestion and here's something great. And just kind of streamlining it so that one admin knows what they're looking for, but normalizing it so that people popping in and out of your class, virtual or not, that's not a scary thing. It's we're here to learn and we can learn best by giving each other feedback. I mean, feedback from peers, leaders, students, that's the best way for us to continue improving and growing in our practice. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, I, it just made me think of trying to normalize growing as much as possible for everybody. You know, we often talk about this idea of a learning culture that once you establish that for students and staff, everything becomes a little easier because the dynamics uh, just change all around and you just hit on all of those points. So yeah, and I think you. what's the, the thing I think too is just there's a lot of leaders that say that, hey, we're gonna learn, let's take risks, let's grow, but like, are you blocking out an hour in your calendar every week to just be in classrooms and walk around? And I don't know that that second piece is happening on a lot of campuses. And teachers really need to see those shifts in order to believe that it's okay to take risks and fail and learn and continue growing. Well, it is interesting that you say that. This summer, we led a, a book study, or I led a book study on courageous conversations, but forced myself to use our learning management system, Schoology, mm. so I would understand what our teachers were using. Because honestly, there's no reason to use that. Like I got trained just like TJ years ago on Blackboard, and I'm great on Blackboard, but we don't use Blackboard anymore. <laughs> we use Schoology. And I'll tell you, like, I got so many likes when I hooked up my Google Doc into the Schoology platform and they were submitting assignments. Um, but I will say there's an authenticity to my conversations now. When people are struggling, everything's a little more real 
in that yeah. sense. So I, I would like to say, I, although there might be people that would right now argue with me and say, Joe, you didn't go far enough, but I, it was a baby step <laughs> and I was happy. I was happy with my, my, uh, my behavior. So let's transition a little bit, Catlin. This just gets into our, our one thing series questions, um, really that a lot of our listeners latch on to. Who's one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where could we find them? I have a really hard time with this section of your podcast, if I'm being really honest, because I could tell you one person that I follow for great information and one person that I follow for inspiration. So do you have a preference? You can give us both. So, okay. <laughs> so I'll say you're not the only person to share that with us. So we appreciate our book. Our first book was on feedback. So we appreciate that. Um, so yeah, you can give us both uh, inspiration and so on. Yeah, so in the context of just continuing to learn and stretch my own horizons in education, I love MindShift's blog. It's the KQED blog. I just love the stuff that they produce, and it's just a wide range of education topics. And then in terms of just being inspired, Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us, you know, always just makes me feel like I've taken a deep breath and have a bit more calm and inspiration in my life for sure. I don't know that a podcast goes by where somebody doesn't mention Brene Brown. And we've tried to get reach out to Brene Brown to have her on the show, but she just seems like a super busy person or something. But I, I would I, imagine <laughs> this, this, this is, we have another podcast and so this, uh, you know, Brene Brown comes up there too. Joe, isn't it crazy? It's not a single one that goes by. Yeah. I, and I use her work all the time from different things from paint done um, she's explained that in one of her books that I love. So there's no gray in what we're trying to achieve. And in something like COVID, that's critical. Um, but also like the invisible army. When somebody goes, oh, everybody's angry. Was everybody angry or are you angry? And you got this invisible army. So yeah, she's terrific. But it is weird about, I'd say eight months ago, her name has come up almost every time, which is a testament to her work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully she'll come on the show one day. So there's a plug for her if she's listening. Um, and we'll maybe we'll change it to the two things series, if that's okay, after this show. That's so great, because even your next question, I was like, ah, oh, this is tough. Oh, it's even better if you don't prepare. So thanks for reading the questions. Hey, where do you get, what, what I, you said what you get from Brene, which is awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about MindShift's blog? And we'll link back to that. Is there something you get from that? Or is there, is that just general knowledge? They cover just every topic far and wide in education. And, you know, I have my little areas of expertise and where I've done deep dives, but for me, just articles, there are articles on equity and, you know, young child education, just areas where it's so good for me as a coach, as a trainer, as a speaker to understand those spaces and those issues, even though, you know, like I haven't taught in elementary classrooms and I haven't encountered some of the issues that come up in their blogs, but I, there's just beautifully written and really helpful. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. It also speaks to the concept that we've been talking about, which is coming at this with a learner's mentality, right? The idea that you're going to learn something in some space every day. So it's a mindset. And uh, thanks for sharing where you where you get that. Next question, what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? And if you have two or three, you can share all of them. 
Uh, well, move. My first one is just physical activity. For me, I get so swamped with work. I get fixated on, I have to do X, Y, or Z. And it's so easy to say, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time to walk. I don't have time to work out. And for me, every time I just stop and go be physically active, it just recharges my brain. And when I sit down, I'm so much more effective. So I've just stopped fighting that and I make time to move and be active every day. Yeah, that's terrific. I think that's something that everybody should take away. Um, and, you know, it's amazing how we do get locked in, though. And especially if you're in a creative uh, space. Um, but you, it is interesting. You can uh, start to run out of gas quick. And that quick walk around um, helps immensely. Um, Catelyn, what's one thing, and this can be personal or professional, that you want to know or be able to do? that you don't already? Well, I would love to know more about neuroscience, quite frankly. I've done a lot of work learning about kind of how the brain works and how that impacts the way we teach and how people learn. And if I had a better grasp of the biology part of it, I think that would be fascinating. And what I wish I could do more effectively is relax. Just in general, I have a sister who's amazing at the ch just chilling and relaxing. And for some reason, I am, <laughs> I really struggle. Well, I could, sh I share that with you. I, I, <laughs> I have a hard time relaxing. I'm fidgeting just sitting here on this. And especially now with these Zoom calls, you, you have a tendency of being in a chair from eight throughout the whole day. It doesn't allow for, uh, for that relaxation. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you bring up um, the neuroscience piece because I think education is maybe missing a little bit of that um, or a lot of that. I think there should be a whole, a whole like branch of us that work on uh, the neuroscience and the way kids learn and the way they process information and the way they translate from short-term memory into long-term memory. Yep. Yeah, so. it's fascinating. I, I, I did a lot of kind of diving into that in my doctoral program just because I found it fascinating, but I definitely, it's an area I would love to, to be much more knowledgeable about. Yeah, one of our favorite books on that is Make It Stick. Um, so we'll link back to that in the show notes, but those guys did a really good job of explaining how, you know, the biology of learning and, and how that works. So hopefully we can continue um, that conversation. Powerful teaching is another one that's pretty good. Or powerful, oh, I think, it's, yeah, oh, that is right. I was like, is it powerful teaching or powerful learning? I, I read that book this year and I was like, it's so simple, it's so clean, it's so easy to digest, and I loved it. Yeah, that's a really good one. And there are awesome people. We hired Patrice Bain over the summer to do a thing with our teacher leaders on, um, on retrieval practice, and she did an awesome job. And she did two full presentations that anybody could be uh, – could be involved in. Now we're doing a, con a commercial for powerful teaching, but right. that, they really do deserve a pat. They're not sponsors of the show, but no. well, I was going to say for our audience, as soon as Catlin said that, since this is audio only, TJ pulled the book right up. So yeah, he did. Yeah, and so most people should know TJ travels with no less than ten books at a time. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Catelyn, what's one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others might be able to replicate? Ask for feedback. I think asking for feedback 
at every stage, regardless of whether we're teachers, we're presenters, um, getting feedback is, it's not always easy. It's always, it, you know, it's hard to hear when things don't land the way you hope they will. But I think that is one of the best ways to just keep learning and being humble and growing and stretching. I also think for myself personally, just carving out, and this is so much easier said than done, but carving out time to read articles on topics of interest related to my own work, just keeps me questioning, keeps me kind of exploring, keeps me learning. That's terrific. And it's, it's terrific when you have sources of people that give you quality feedback. Do you have that, Catlin? I mean, you know, different approach now, or are you talking about like surveys at the end of a session? Or do you also have other people that, you know, can be very candid with you and say, hey, this is great, but I would work on this. Oh yeah, almost everything I write, I have a network, except for my blogs. Usually I write my blogs and publish them, but any kind of articles or if I'm working on a book, I am the first person to say to my inner circle, and that includes you know, my editor, my mom, my aunt, who are both very talented writers, just saying, what do you think? Like, rip it apart. Tell me I'm not going to get my feelings hurt. Like, I'm the person who loves the, the critical feedback, loves an eye on the work I'm doing. If I'm creating a video series, having the producer just say, mm, that didn't really hit, and I'm happy to reimagine. So I love feedback. Getting feedback from students was the hardest, you know, because they're so honest. But again, students are the customers in education. If we're not asking them what's working, we're missing out on a huge opportunity to learn. Yeah, not to bring, you know, Brene Brown back, but if you are willing <laughs> to be vulnerable, yeah. you know, you can learn a tremendous amount. And at the end of the day, if you're trying to get better, then you want that feedback. I will say that was a little bit hard for TJ and I, because after we wrote our book on feedback, everybody wants to give it to you. So it was, it was one of those things like we didn't, it wasn't an open door policy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Catlin, uh, our last question, and we truly appreciate your time. What's one thing that you used to think that you don't anymore? I used to think or at least feel pressure to be the expert on topics, whether that was being the expert in my classroom and being able to answer any question a kid had versus being an expert in a training or in a workshop where teachers ask me questions. And I just got to a point where I was like, I don't have to be the expert. Like, let's learn this together. Let me be honest when I'm not sure. And then let's figure it out. And to me, that has been so freeing. And I think for the, te you know, the teachers I work with, for the students that I have taught, there's, again, just a level of honesty about what we know that is, you know, I, I can't know everything and that's okay. And I don't really know where that pressure came from to feel like I needed to know everything. I think if you think you know everything, then you think there's nothing left to learn. And for me, I know that there's always so much more that I can learn. Well, it's a great way to round out the conversation about learning, about growing, about how to get yourself from where you are now um, into the future. Uh, thank you for sharing it. Lots of simplicity. Don't be the expert. That's the key. Joe and I always say leadership might be complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Catlin, is there anything else that you would like to add today for our listeners? 
No, I just think that that idea of not feeling pressure to be the expert, particularly in this moment when everything we're doing for a lot of teachers and leaders is totally new, what kids are doing is new and unfamiliar. Let's just be frank that we're in this learning thing together. Well, thank you, Catlin. There you have it. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs all on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our One Thing series today on learning and growing, blended learning, and so much more with Catlin Tucker. Thank you, Catlin. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.